1: Your new life in Christ comes with new desires. How to break the old desires is what we'll talk about today. It is a challenge, isn't it? A new life in Christ means new directions, new focuses, new desires. But those old desires, they just don't want to go away so easily. So how do you break those chains? We've got some answers for you over the next couple of days here on Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 2. That's where we catch up with our pastor. We invite you to join us from the well. A Christian community right here in Livermore, California. Let's catch up with Pastor Napoleon as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, here today on this edition of Times of Refreshing.
2: You know, one of the things that I realized very quickly when I had given my life to Jesus Christ was that, that it was going to be a fight to get away from my old lifestyle. It was going to be a fight to get away from the devil. It was going to be a fight to get away from the world's influences. And I can remember having dreams. I can remember uh, the devil just trying to come at me. I can remember people calling me that I hadn't talked to in years when I made that decision to give my life to Christ. And I quickly, as I started studying my Bible, getting discipled by great men of God uh, and women of God being discipled, um, they started to Just take the scripture and just help me to see biblically, theologically, what this was all about in terms of a spiritual warfare dynamic. Because I didn't know anything about it. And for me, the more that I read the scripture, it it became clearly evident that Jesus is in the business of setting captives free. Of bringing liberty to people of giving people true understanding of the power of his blood the power of his name the power of the spirit of God and how whom the son has set free is free indeed that he comes in and he liberates us I didn't even know I was in bondage and it was hard for me to accept the fact that I was in bondage but when I started to get into the scripture, like I said, it became clear that, that there was areas in my life that I needed to be liberated and I needed to be free and that the devil had played a trick on me that I didn't even know. And so today I want to talk about this a little bit. Let's go to Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 22. We're going to look at verses 22 on down to 26. Let's read this. It says here in verse 22, It says, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel or strive, the King James says, but be gentle to all. Able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Now look at this, y'all. And that they may come to their senses and escape. Somebody say escape. And escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him, to do his will, having been taken captive. So the scripture says that the devil takes people captive to do his will. And that is just amazing to me. It's amazing to me. He says clearly here in verse 22, flee also youthful lust. The word lust there is a powerful word. And it is tied to the word desire. And ultimately what all lust is 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 an unlawful desire. God does not mind us having desires, but he doesn't want us to have desires that are unlawful, desires that are rooted in perversion, uh, sinful things, things that are contrary to his will, things that that, that spring forth from, a, from an ungodly motivation. Desires are not bad, If they're rooted in truth and inspired by God, desires become bad when they're rooted in self and inspired by the devil. And so for us, we have to make sure that when it comes to lust, God defines what's right and what's wrong. We don't define that. And so it's important for all of us to to always, if we have desires, to weigh those desires by the will of God, by Scripture, and by those things and things of that nature. Because we can desire things and those desires can really lead us down the wrong path. And the Bible calls this lust. It calls this lust. And so he says, flee youthful. He says, lust. He says, but pursue. Now, our pursuit should be, he says, number one, righteousness. It should be our pursuit. I want to get away from my youthful lust. And I want to begin to pursue as a mature person or a mature person. I want to pursue righteousness. God, show me what righteousness is all about. I can't listen to the world's definition of righteousness. I want to find out what's right in the sight of God. And through the Scripture, God begins to define His standard, because ultimately all of us are going to be measured and weighed by His standard, not the standard that the culture sets. Can I have an amen? Not the not the standard that we set, not what feels comfortable to us. But we all got to measure up to the standard that God has established. So, God, teach me about righteousness. I want to pursue righteousness. He says, not only righteousness. He says, but faith, God, I want to develop in my faith. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. God. So if I want to develop more faith, then faith is going to come to me by hearing and hearing the word of God. So I want to get into the word. I want to listen to the word. I want to hear good preaching. I want to get around the word. And what's that going to do? It's going to inspire me. It's going to begin to infuse faith within my spirit. And now this becomes my pursuit and I begin to grow in faith. Faith is like a muscle. The more you exercise it also, the stronger it gets. The more you hear the message, the stronger it gets. We're making the investment in our lives this morning by hearing a message. Not just you, but me. I'm listening to myself speak. And I'm feasting off the words that are coming out of my mouth. Because I want to grow in faith too. Can I have an amen? He says, but he says here, but he says, um, he says faith. He says not only pursue faith, he says love. Love should be a pursuit. We should pursue it. That in our lives, I want the love of God to be shed abroad into my heart by the Spirit of God who has been given to me. And then I want to make sure that that love begins to flow through me. And I want to pursue the love of God. I want to pursue love. I want to make sure that that all that depends on me, that I'm living peaceably with all men, and I'm pursuing a lifestyle of love. And this is the reason why, even when it comes to life, we have to stop taking everything. So I've learned a long time ago, even pastoring this church, that this isn't about me. And what I mean by that is sometimes... You know, things happen in church, stuff happens, but no one's going to stop me from loving people. You can step on my toes, you can lie, you can, whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter. It's not going to stop my flow. Can I have an amen? And that's why we have to get it in our minds that it doesn't matter. I'm still going to love people. Now, but that doesn't mean I'm going to trust you. Love doesn't mean trust. So you stabbed me once, that means I'm not going to put the knife back in your hand again. You got to earn some trust before I do that. Can I have, can I have an amen? amen? And so what happens is, but it doesn't mean that I don't love you. Doesn't mean I don't love you. And, and me not loving, and the person not loving you doesn't mean that they've got to, you know, the person loving you doesn't mean that they've got to accept everything that you do. There's a difference between love and acceptance. I may love you, but I may not accept certain aspects of your life or certain things. I may not love it, but it doesn't mean I don't love you. I mean, I may not accept it, but it doesn't mean I don't love you. And for us, we have to see that. Love doesn't mean acceptance. Love means I love you. But I'm not giving you the keys to my car again. (laughs) Can I have an amen, (laughs) y'all? And so we have to understand this but this is what we pursue he says pursue love he said peace how many want peace in your life nothing like having peace it's nothing like peace man when you when you know that number one you have peace with god number two you have peace with with your fellow uh brothers and sisters that you have peace and you you wake up in the morning and you know i just got peace man you got some problems yeah but i got peace you got some issues yeah i got a few but i got some peace too man that something in you is at rest and there's a, there's a stillness within you because you know your relationship with God is right and God is helping you to manage all your other relationships. There's a peace that comes with that. Well, we want to pursue this. We don't want to pursue, he says, uh, he says he doesn't want us to pursue lust. He said he wants us to pursue, he says, peace. Amen? He says here, With those who call on the the Lord, he says, out of a pure heart. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord, he says, out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. I love this because what happens is, Individuals sometimes, they will try to bait you or trap you into quarrels and strife by bringing philosophical questions with the sole purpose of just bringing debate, which ultimately will lead to strife. And the Bible calls it, and I like this because he says, ignorant. And sometimes these people aren't very informed, but yet their whole purpose, just like they did with Jesus, they would come before Jesus and they would say something to try to trip him up in his words, to get him confused or try to, but Jesus saw through everything that they were doing and you never saw Jesus debating with people on stuff. He would say a one liner and shut everybody up and then he would move on to the next city. Then I think it's important for all of us to understand when we are getting baited to get into these foolish and ignorant disputes. Like I told you guys months ago, I was preaching and I was talking about how I used to go to the Bible bookstore and I would always be in there fighting with people about stuff that wouldn't even make any sense. (laughs) I'm trying to buy a book and then somebody would say something, then I felt like I had to say something, then I get into it and then I'm there for two or three hours fighting with a person over something that doesn't even matter. Then I come home, tell my wife, and I'll be huffing and puffing at her, still mad at the person. I don't even know the person, never even seen the person again in my life, but I'm mad. I'm like, man, what was I doing? And then God had to tell me, why are you fighting with everybody? And I've learned that if a person wants to believe that, I'm not going to be fighting with you all day over. I may say something, and you want to quarrel and get into it, you know, I'm not going to get into that. Now I've had, you know, people arguing over whether, what color Jesus was. I'm like, I know he was Jewish, Jewish um, but no, I think he from, he's, he's black, he's he this, he did. I'm like, listen, I don't care if he's green, man. All I know is that he died for my sins. He was buried and he was raised for my justification. Can I have an amen? You guys can fight over genealogy all you want. But I'm not getting involved in that because it just generates strife. Can I have an amen? And people start fighting over this and fighting over that and fighting over whether women can preach in the church. Fighting over whether a woman should wear pants. Fighting over whether you're supposed to wear gloves during the altar. Fighting with it. I mean, come on. Can I have an amen? Fighting over speaking in tongues. Well, you're not going to stop it. They're speaking in tongues. We start fighting and quarreling and over stuff. and It's just like, how many times are you going to fight over stuff? And I'm not talking about salvation issues. I'm not talking about salvation issues. Now, we can, we can get into it and throw it down over salvation issues. But some of this stuff is philathtery stuff. And then people end up fighting over it. And then they find, well, you're not supposed to use instruments when you're worshiping God. Why not? Because you don't see them doing it in the, in, the, in the first century church. Well, they did in the Old Testament. But that's the Old Testament. You're just supposed to sing a cappella. Well, we're not singing a cappella. We're going to use some instruments like David did. All right? Now, if you don't like it, you can go to another church. There's a bunch of them. Maybe you'll find one that doesn't use instruments. <laughs> can I have an amen, y'all? People start fighting and fighting and fighting. And he says, avoid. Foolish. And ignorant disputes. Knowing that they generate what? Strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel or strive. Says in King James. But be gentle to all. Able to teach. Patient. In humility correcting those who are in opposition. Not getting lifted up with pride. And getting angry and debating and fighting. He says... If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may, he says, know the truth. God is partnering with you in this. And that, now look at this here, they may come to their senses. This word here is powerful, this word senses. And this, the way that this is set up in the, in the, in the Greek, it is basically a picture. When he says come to their senses, it's a picture it's a picture of someone that is in the field and they are sowing seed. But as they're sowing seed, the seed that they're sowing is seed that is that has a certain chemical in it that causes the birds that come there to, to be ensnared or to be poisoned by it when they eat the seed. And what happens is, therefore, they, they, they fall dead and, and then now... Those that are in the field, they just come and, and grab the birds. And so what happens is the picture is, is that a person really, and then as I was looking at this in the Greek, a person is, they get into a trap and they start to fall asleep. A person loses their senses. And then they get, into, they ate some bad seed. And then they, and then next thing you know, they begin to fall asleep. And this is what happens to people all around the world. They don't even understand that, they've, that there's a poison that has gotten their system, that has caused them to begin to fall asleep. And they're, they've lost their senses and they need to come to their senses. Need to come to their senses, need to wake up. When the light of the gospel begins to shine, it's there to help a person wake awake from their slumber and open their eyes and begin to see the world for what it really is. And I don't know about you, but I remember this process in my own life. Well, I couldn't believe that how ignorant I was to to biblical things and to the world, even though I was living. And God has to wake me up. And God has to wake us up. He says, and if they may come to their senses and what? Escape. He says, escape. The snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. So they come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. The devil is in the business of snaring you. He sets a trap with bait, causes us to fall asleep. And then he not only just sets a trap with bait to cause us to set Caused to us to get in snares and entrap. He says, having been taken captive. That word captive there is a powerful Greek word. It is tied. The, the word is spelled Z-O-O-S. Taken captive. And it means to, it, it comes from this word Z-O-O-S. And it comes from, now look at this saints. It means to be taken captive, but to be taken captive alive. And this is exactly what the devil does in our lives and how we have to understand that Jesus came to break the chains. The devil wants to take us captive by using various means as snares as we're sleepwalking through life. Then he takes us and he takes us alive and he keeps us in a confined space that is divinely designed. I mean uh, demonically de- designed. And he puts us on display as if we're in a zoo. Z-O-O-S. As if we're in a zoo. And people behold us. And they watch us and they see us. And we're behaving like Wild animals that have been taken captive by the enemy. And he gets us to do things that are contrary to the will of God. And then he gives us a little bit more space. And then he gives us a little bit more space. But we're still confined and bound by him. And we don't realize that we're still acting a certain way. And we're just still in captivity. And... The next thing you know, the enemy has you running around doing things, and he's controlling your life, no, no, just, like you're going to a, just like you're going to a zoo. And he, he comes in, and he says, now do this. Show him how you can do this. Show him how you can do that. Show him how you can cuss. Show him your anger. Show him how mad you are. Man, show him all your body. Just, just get half-naked and show him how your body. Come on, show off for him. Come on go, on, go on television and act a fool and just act crazy. I know your mom and dad, they, they pray for you. They don't want you living like that, but I'm about to put you on display. Come on, sing this song. Yeah, sing the nasty song. Come on, and the devil sits back just like he's got a whip, and he just, come on, do this. Come on, call that person. Come on, get involved in this. And the devil, we're enslaved and taken captive, and people don't even know it. They think they're free, but they're really ensnared. Can I have an amen, y'all? And they don't even realize that the devil is just using them to put on a show because they have been taken captive by him to do his will. So they're not even doing their will they're doing his will, the scripture just says. They're not doing what they want. They think that this is just, you know, this is just, they think the desire that they have is solely born of them. They don't realize that the desire that they have is also born of the devil. And I know this is heavy, but it's the word of God. Look at verse 26, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And now you hear people, I can't stop, pastor. Well, that's because the devil has taken you captive. And that's why Jesus died. He died to set the captives free. He came to liberate us so that we are no longer like animals in a zoo being put on display before the world and people laugh and mock at us and sometimes they egg us on. You've been to a zoo? Do that again. That was so cute. Do it again. And, and then people start thinking that, oh, this, must, this is going to make people happy when I do like this. And they don't even realize that the one that's pulling the strings is the enemy and he has us in a cage. But how many know Jesus is the chain breaker? Can I have an amen, y'all? So I wanted you to see that picture. But now we're going to get answers and we're going to get really into this. Let's go to James chapter 1 and let's take a look at this. Because this is how ultimately we get out of this sleep and slumber and we get ourselves to a position... Where the Spirit of God can really start to help us to understand what we're dealing with here. And he gives us some insight into how the enemy thinks. James chapter 1. Let's look at verse 12 on down to 15. This is good. It says here in verse 12. He says, blessed is the man who endures temptation or testing somebody say testing for when he has been approved he will receive the crown of life which the lord has promised to those who love him god is in the business of testing us not tempting us his motivation i think the key is understanding the motivation god's motivation is always for promotion and revelation.
1: Well, thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. This program is the production of The Well Christian Community. And we pray today's broadcast has blessed you and has encouraged you in Christ. If it has, would you take a moment and let us know? There are several ways that you can contact us. First, by mail. The Well Christian Community. Address your envelope to 2333 Neeson Drive. That's here in Livermore. The zip code is 94551. You can also stop by our website, learn more about us, and drop us an email, thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. And then, of course, by phone, 925-292-7800. That's 925-292-7800. As you visit our website, don't forget to look for the link to our Facebook page. And if you're on Facebook, simply search The Well Christian Community. You can even follow Pastor Napoleon on Twitter with the address at Napoleon Kaufman, all one word. Until next time, may Jesus Christ be highly exalted in your life, and may he bring you a peace that passes all understanding.